invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. <clears throat> While you are turning there, a couple of announcements. Number one, we will begin our new sermon series on the life of grace next Sunday. So we hope that you will come out for that. However, we do not want to see you next Sunday if you are sick. All right? So let's, you know, we've got hand sanitizers at the doors and we want you to use them. But if you're sick, we love you, but tune in on Facebook. All right? There's a lot going on in our nation in regards to sickness. And we all have to be... Um, careful and so we want you to take care of yourself and we want you to take care of your neighbor and sometimes taking care of your neighbor is uh, not coming to church so far in our marriage I've only had to sleep on the couch once And it was because one of us was sick and the other one didn't want to catch it. And I gave Eliza the bed because she was the one that was sick. So, don't spread. Alright? 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are thankful today for your word. And we pray, Lord, that as we encounter it today, that you would make it alive to us. That it would, Lord, quicken us and move us to what it is that you would have us to be. We have discussed through this series, Lord, all of the things that we are. But Lord, we recognize that we have not achieved them in their fullness. And so, Lord, today, move us further to that achievement. Father, bless me with the words that are needed now for those gathered here as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We conclude our look at Ask Me About Grove Park this morning by going back to where our journey through this look began in 1 Corinthians 3. We recall that when we were last in 1 Corinthians, we heard Paul declare us to be a garden, literally a cultivated field. And after that, Paul runs into a discourse about the fact that we are a building. And he starts talking about how that building should be constructed and that the foundation of that building is Jesus Christ and that the remainder of the building is, be, is to be built by our very best efforts. 
And it is after that instruction that we arrive at our text this morning. With Paul defining the building that he has been talking about, that he has been constructing as God's temple. Look with me at verses 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. First, we should remember that when Paul uses the pronoun you in this section, it is not singular, it is plural. It is if you and I would say, all y'all are God's temple. Such an understanding is in keeping with what Jesus said, if we recall, in Matthew 18. That wherever two or three are gathered together in his name there, he would be in the midst of them and bless them. And so the implication that is being made is that wherever Christians, wherever people who have a relationship with God gather, there is the temple of God. It doesn't matter how big or how small, there is the temple of God. Secondly, I feel like we should clarify for just a moment the use of the word temple in the ancient world. Yes, temple complexes were used for the worship of all the various gods and for the offering of sacrifices to all of those gods. And, and ancient Corinth was filled with such temple complexes. There was the temple to Artemis. There was the Asclepian, which we've already looked at in this uh, this series, there was a, a temple to Apollo, there was a grand temple, we understand, to Poseidon. However, the word that Paul uses in the text this morning is not about the complex, but for the actual temple building itself. It's similar into what the scriptures say is known as, <clears throat> excuse me, the Holy of Holies. You remember in the temple in Jerusalem, there were all of these courts. There was the court of the Gentiles. There was the court of women. There was the court of men. And then you got a little bit further into the complex. And there was the altar where they did all of the, the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And then there in the very middle was the Holy of Holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt. And that's where they believed that the, the actual presence of God set there on the mercy seat. The word that Paul uses for temple here is that. So what Paul is saying is, to the Corinthians and likewise to us, that when we gather together, whether as a large corporate body as we are doing this morning or just together in small groups or even not even gathering as um, to do religious work but just simply gathering as Christians there 
is where God dwells. What are the implications of this then? Well, first, we should know in verse 17 of the text this morning that Paul describes God's temple as holy. Now, certainly, holy has all sorts of connotations to it that you and I uh, would recognize and admit that God is. However, we should remember that in the ancient world, the word holy was something that was used to talk about things that had been set aside for specific religious practice. Beloved, do you ever stop and recognize that the mundane things of life God has intended for us to use and has declared holy? You know, many of us, because Howard has already invoked it in us, are now hungry. And uh, we're going to go out to eat here in a little bit. And we're, most of us will go in groups, right? Uh, even if it's just uh, us and our spouse, we'll, we'll go and, and remember where two or three are gathered. And so we'll go out and there will be... Have you thought the fact that God intends for that time that you are at lunch today to be a place where people meet God? Have you thought about the fact that, that, that people, they come in contact with you, can meet God right then? The question is, will it? Will it? Do we treat our interactions as holy moments that are meant to expose people to the God whom we serve? Or do we try to compartmentalize our faith? We try to compartmentalize our faith. Well, I do worship from 11 to 12, and if he gets really long-winded, 12, 15, on Sunday morning. And that's when I deal with God. And that's when I talk about God. And, and that's it. Now I'm at lunch, and so I got to talk to my friends about who we're going to vote for on Tuesday. I've got to talk to my friends about whether or not Carolina is going to be able to beat Duke on Saturday night. I, I don't have time for that. No, beloved, that is the perfect opportunity to talk about it. Do I mean that I want you to sit today at lunch and just talk about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus? No. But I do want you to understand that you can incorporate your faith into every one of those interactions and make them into holy moments, the holy moments that God intended them to be. Because as you go forward from this place, God expects people to be able to meet Him through you but how often is it that we try to put God in a box we try to put God into this nicely defined little box and leave him there some of you may know that, that uh, I lost a, a dear friend this week uh, and so on Thursday, 
uh, we went to the funeral home for visitation and and uh, he was cremated and as we're going through the line we, we go past this little box and I looked at Eliza and I said that box is way too small and then we went to the funeral on Friday and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm looking down front and I kept looking at her and saying, this box is just too small. And after the funeral, I, I went down and looked at the box again. I couldn't help myself. And I just kept saying, this box is too small. How on earth can a life that was so full and so rich fit into a tiny, tiny little box? It's impossible, in my opinion. I still think that the box is too small. I complained about it so much that Eliza said that when I die, she's going to put me in a big box. <laughs> Beloved, how often do you and I take the God who created the entire universe, the God who spins out galaxies the God who does things that you and I cannot even begin to imagine and we put him in a little box the temple of God because God does not dwell in a little building but lives when all of his people are gathered together in their lives means that he is bigger than all of this and he goes forward into a, a countless thousands of ways and for us to be the temple of God means we allow him to do that instead of putting him in a box secondly I believe that God is calling us to infuse him in all that we do by defining us as the temple of God to understand more fully that we are a meeting place. Beloved, we are where the world meets Jesus. You and I somehow think that the only place the world can meet Jesus is here. We seek to just get people to church. We seek to just maybe get them to sit down with the preacher. No, their interaction with Jesus begins with you. It begins with you wherever you are in your life. And God intends for us to take him outside of these walls and let the world at large meet him. It means intentionality on our part that we are offering all those we come in contact with a chance to meet him. It means that we should always be looking for ways to go outside of the walls here at 108 Trail 1 to share the gospel and allow people to meet him. What would it look like, beloved, if instead of gathering in our large Sunday school classrooms, in our large Sunday school classes, on Sunday morning that we met in smaller groups all across Burlington in restaurants and coffee shops 
And we sat around and we talked about the grace and mercy of God in public. Not in the nice confines of our Sunday school classes. Personally, I, I like that idea. I, I think that our classes should not just be on Sunday morning, but on Sunday afternoon and, and throughout the entire week. So that people, as we get together and we talk about how much God loves us and how much God has interacted with us, can overhear our conversations and desire some deeper knowledge of God. That they can desire a relationship with Him. The vast preponderance of people outside of these walls, beloved, are lonely and they desire a relationship. They just don't know with whom. And they don't know that the one that can fulfill their deepest needs, they don't know that the one who will give them an all-sustaining relationship is Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor, does that mean that you don't want people to come to Grove Park? No, I do want people to come to Grove Park. I do want people to come to Grove Park and to find out more about Jesus. But I want them to meet Jesus through Grove Park McDonald's and Grove Park Starbucks and Grove Park Dunkin' Donuts and Grove Park Cutting Board and Grove Park Carvers and Grove Park wherever else that you're going to go today or later this week. Beloved, when people ask me my views on satellite campuses for church, that's what I think of. Grove Park everywhere. And we don't need a sign out front. Think about it. Think about it. We, ask, we, we want people to just come here, right? Just come here. And if they just come here, that means that we've got to turn our lights on. And we've got to heat up the building. And all that right here. When you and I can go down to Starbucks and let Starbucks heat the place, and we can tell them about Jesus there. Novel thought, isn't it? But that's what it means, beloved, to be the temple of God and to be everywhere, a meeting place. Now, I should say something else. We should always be careful about how we treat Grove Park when we are out and about. Verse 17 is a warning about destroying the temple. And we should understand this warning comes in the midst of Paul speaking to the Corinthian church about their various divisions. Beloved, when people encounter Grove Park, when when people treat Grove Park as a meeting place, not to meet us, but to meet God, we should make sure that they see it as an undivided whole. An undivided whole. 
You see, you and I will go out from here today and we will talk about Grove Park. I've never stepped foot in Smith United Methodist Church in Roanoke Rapids. Never. I've only driven past it maybe about ten times off the top of my head. But when we lived in Enfield, we went to lunch every Sunday at a restaurant in Roanoke Rapids called David's. And every Sunday we got set next to these little old ladies who went to Smith's United Methodist Church. And every Sunday we got to hear about everything that went on at Smith's United Methodist Church from the moment that the preacher began till afterward the conversation in the parking lot. And I can't tell you many good things about Smith's United Methodist Church, but I know lots of bad things about Smith's United Methodist Church. And why on earth would I ever want to go there? Sounds to me like it's nothing more than a meeting place of unhappy people. The world is unhappy enough, beloved. You said, shouldn't we acknowledge our faults? Yes, we should always acknowledge our faults. But we serve a faultless God. And if the world is going to meet Him then they must see that he is faultless. And they must see that though we are faulty, he still redeems us and still makes us part of his family and indeed still dwells in us and makes us his temple. That is not easy. Not at all. But it is what he is calling us to. And so, beloved, I ask you this morning, are you willing to go on a date? A date? I'm already married. Yes, I know. But you need to go on a date. You need to go on a date, a blind date, with someone you hadn't even met yet. So that they can meet Jesus. So that they can meet Jesus. Friday night we were out. Went over after the funeral. Went to Chapel Hill and got together. Memorialized and... I looked up as the night was going on and over across from us was this this couple. And they looked like they may have been 21, 22. But it was clear to me that they were on their first date. You could see the nerves present. And you could see that this girl wasn't going to say anything that was going to upset this apple cart. And you could see the ooey-gooey just flood out of this boy's eyes. He, he, 
He was in love, and he didn't even know how to define it yet. You're going to go to lunch here in a few minutes. You're going to go to the gym later this week. You're going to gather with somebody else somewhere. And as you do that, don't look at them that way. But look at everyone who's spinning around you. And make them fall in love with Jesus. Treat everything like it's a blind date. And make them fall in love with Jesus. Beloved, you must become important to someone. What do I mean by that? I have a, some friends that I set up on their very first date. I married them three years later. I have tons of friends who have introduced me to other friends along the path. I remember all of them by who I met because of them. Go become important to someone because they met Jesus through you. You never know what blind dates might hold. I know more than a few that have created marriages and children and everything else. I stand here today as the product of one. It's a date. Shall we go? Let's pray. Lord, we confess to you that we treat lightly the fact that we are your temple. <clears throat> we treat lightly our interaction with people as we go forward from this place. We treat lightly the fact that you've called us to holy purposes. That nothing is to be mundane, but that all is to be holy. Help us, Lord, not to put you in a box. Help us, Lord. Through our interactions, through our being the temple, through our being a meeting place. That we may show others. your love and that they would fall in love with you for we ask this in Jesus name Amen. so how good a date are you are there things in your life that just make you a bad date then you need to fix them maybe God showed you them today Maybe God showed you that you need to elevate your life above the mundane and understand that he's declared it all holy and that it has a purpose. Maybe the purpose is that you have never known a relationship with Jesus Christ and you want that. You want that never-ending love. 
Maybe it's something else. Maybe you want to come join uh, a group of people who just say to Burlington, come on a date with us and become a member here at Grove Park. I, I don't know what it is. But whatever God has said to you today, I pray that you would respond as we stand to sing. Would you come?